Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest on the I Drink From Skulls podcast today. He's the pulverizer from Plano. He's the rancher from Caddo Ridge, the hellraiser known as the hardcore closer. He's a family man, father, and founder of the Apex Movement and phone sites, Mr. Ryan motherfucking Stuman. Sup, big dog? You know, it's really cool to be uh, reaching an audience so far away, like almost like the furthest you could get away from where we're at here in Dallas, Texas. Uh, where you guys ran in Australia, man. It's really cool. Thank you for having me on, man. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. We appreciate that, my good man. It's actually, it's 5 a.m. here in sleepy Australia, so the future's looking good. Yeah, hey, well, if you're up at 5 a.m., you're ahead of most of the people there. So yeah. you know how that is. I don't care where you are in the world. If you're up early, you're ahead of a lot of people. A lot of people sleep at it. You know what? Sleepy motherfuckers don't get paid. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. I drink from skulls. Drink from the skulls of my enemies. So, my man, I want to let everyone who's watching know who the hell is Ryan Stewman. Well, first of all, I like to make it publicly known that despite the way my face looks and despite the way my voice sounds, I'm actually a very nice guy. And I'm, I'm, I really do care a lot. I just got been blessed with this like mean look on my face and a rough voice. So a lot of people seeing the videos and stuff, they're like, wow, he's a tough guy. He can probably fight or he's mean or whatever it's like i'm not like that at all <laughs> i just sound like i would be i'm a, like a really nice guy um but i have four kids and a wife and um an amazing family you know i'm trying to raise future examples uh, i've been in business for myself since 2005 i have a background in uh, really three things selling drugs washing cars and doing mortgages like literally in those in that order started off in, in that order and from the finance business I uh, started in real estate and, and started the finance business 2003, real estate 2005. Now I sit on probably personal, just personal real estate assets, somewhere around $30 million worth. You know, we uh, own the software companies and it really just all around entrepreneur. I'd like to say, oh, I'm a, a coach or a consultant or whatever, but really sometimes when you're an entrepreneur with, with several companies and operators that you're juggling, you really just some, I'm just a doer. I'm just an action taker. That, that really let me let me wind that back what i am is i'm a cursed problem solver so like when <laughs> i was born i was cursed with the innate ability to solve problems the reason why i say that's a curse is fucking problems everywhere and i can't solve them all and and so but i see potential problems that need to be solved all the time that are unique and i i guess as an entrepreneur that's that's really what the the backbone of my business has been you know when i was young matt i grew up on a, a horse farm and my family were into these things called cutting horses. And uh, they're basically useless on in, in modern society, but they're fun to watch in rodeo type settings, you know, these cutting horse deals. And they're, they're, they're entertaining, but like I said, you're really not using them or running them on a farm for any reason these days. But I grew up there and, and dealt with horses. And because they were cutting horses, you, you have cattle that you cut. That's the whole process if you were to Google that. So we have a lot of cows and and goats and shit like that and back in december i'm not sure how the, the the global thing is but here in america shit's really weird uh not just politically but economically too and uh and, and as you see in the news more and more countries are teaming up against us uh yeah. trying to break the dollar and stuff so it's, it's a really weird time so me being a real estate guy i went and bought land you know like uh it's, if we end up in a war and they bomb us or whatever i want to be out of the fucking city and, and somewhere away from everything plus you know i want my kids to get the best of both worlds. I want them to to be raised here in the city and see that we run a business, a family owned operated business. 
but also, you know, they were with me this weekend picking up trash and, and tearing down shit uh, with equipment and stuff on the farm. So they're learning the, the build like my 10 year old, he mowed four acres of land on Sunday, right? So I'm teaching these guys like, you know, during the week we sit in a chair behind a computer, but during the weekend, we're still working with our hands, making sure that we're doing our part to really like beautify God's planet, right? It's I bought the land from the government, but God owns it all. And all we're doing is making it more, more attractive for him. So that when he looks down on it, he's happy with it. So, but as a byproduct of that, we got to, you know, we have 1400 acres of, of ranch land that we have acquired, uh, with an abundant source of water river running through it. Uh, there was a guy that sent me a message this morning. They caught a 95 pound catfish out of the river running behind my creek, uh, running behind my property over there. So, uh, we've, we got a bunch of fish, a bunch of hogs, a bunch of deer. I, I built a house out there. So all these things just, just in case, you know what I mean? So basically I'm a family guy, a, a entrepreneur, a risk taker and a doomsday prepper, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you'll be ready for whatever happens. I like that. Whatever this fuck, man. I bought, I bought, I read this book called one second after it talks about EMPs and shit. So I went and bought an old truck with no electronics and stuff in it. It's like, hey, all I need is one tank of gas to get to my ranch. I'm good. You know, I never got to leave once I'm there. <laughs> You're good to go. <laughs> got you. That's good. So we go back a, a while now. I uh, I came across you in 2016. Man, time flies. And um, yeah, sir, stay. You've been in Apex for a long time. Yeah, it's it's just crazy. Just for everyone who doesn't know, what is Apex? Because I get asked quite a lot. A lot of people ask me sort of every few days well so apex is a collection of smart people that are action takers that have learned from experience that are sharing that experience with each other it is a it's basically a we've got a, a an online platform a digital group and everything else but it's basically everybody that's in that group's brain dump into the cloud so you've got basically an encyclopedia of people with experience that you have access to on top of trainings and and networking and live events and stuff like that but basically it's a movement of people uh doing their best to be examples of what it looks like to win you know whether they're in australia america canada europe doesn't matter they're doing their best to represent winning you know the the world is full of people who represent losers you know i'm a big fan of this this rapper country artist guy named jelly roll and he just won an award a couple nights ago on the cmts and he said you know this one's for the losers and everybody cheered. You know, a lot of people, they identify themselves as losers. Are When we're young, we're picked on as other kids. And, and other kids pick on us. They call us losers. When we're when we're in school, maybe the teachers don't call us losers now. They did when I was a kid. Nowadays, things are kind of pussified a little bit. So maybe they yeah. say that they're ADHD, which implies that you're a loser because there's something wrong with you, right? And, and so they put all these stigma and all this other stuff. And, you know, what Apex is, is just my idea of how we can reverse that one person at a time by saying, hey, you know what, you, you, you messed up in life, we all messed up. You know, one thing I did mention is that I spent three years of my life in and out of prison, not jail, fucking prison, right? But, yeah. but I'm still here, you know, I'm still, I have done all this stuff despite that because I was a loser at one time, but I don't identify as a loser anymore. I identify as a winner. I overcame, just like someone that used to drink they don't they don't identify as an alcoholic anymore or someone that's a drug user you know you've been free from heroin for 20 years you're not going around telling people you're a heroin addict right that's like yeah. i used to be a heroin addict now i'm a normal functioning adult for 20 years and so people forget that and people think their past sticks with them for forever so there's people all across the world that have come from a sordid past like yourself and i 
and went on to build something for their family and build a leg- legacy for themselves like yourself and I and then feel inadequate and feel left out and feel like everybody judged them. But listen, there's nobody on this planet that's perfect. There's just people that are perfect at hiding their imperfections. And and so, you know, I put this group of people because here's the thing that I know. Guys like you and I, we have to prove ourselves. That means that we worked harder than everybody else. We didn't have a handout, silver spoons, good old boy networks, homeboys from the country club, private school, private college, none of that stuff. So what do you and I do? We work harder than anybody else. Then we find ourselves alone because none of our friends worked with us and we weren't plugged into the good old boy network to begin with. So Apex is that the the next level, new age, blue collar, good old boy network. That's what it is, you know? Yeah. So I get a little bit excited about that, trying to explain like, because because it's not easy just to say, oh, it's digital programs or it's a master because it's not fucking it's that and in the shitload of other more amazing things, you know? Absolutely. And that's where I, that's how I came across you back in 2016. You know, everyone around me because of my past, been to prison, drugs, everything else, telling me I had to, I, I you know, I shouldn't be successful anymore. I should suffer from yeah. from the things that I did. And here you are screaming, you know what? Fuck that. Fuck your excuses. I'm going to show you how to win. I'm going to show you what to do in life. Now it's up to you to do it. And that's that's. I'm just getting fired up now. You're just, just saying the things because it reminded me so much of it. Is that the sort of message you put out there for these people who've had a bit of a colored past? Well, I, I'm led the way. You know what I mean? So it's it's not like, like let me just give you the rundown real quick because I, I know your audience doesn't really know me, but I was adopted at age seven. I dropped out of school. I went to prison. I've been divorced. I'm fucking back to prison again for some shit that I didn't do the second time. Like So I've been like wrongfully accused, rightfully accused, upside down, the, like all these terrible things that one, I broke my I, shit just five years ago. I broke my neck. And they told me I was going to be paralyzed for the waist down for forever. I, I walked in here and did legs this morning in the gym. So I, I'm just saying like, I, I have defied all of these things. First of all, cause God is amazing. And second of all, because I've taken the action and done the work because they, like to go back to, to God, they say, you got to have faith, but faith doesn't come by anything other than work. So you got to believe it and achieve it. Right. And so that's what I've done. And so, like like you said, I want to be that example to where you can't like. I, and I would I always challenge anybody: you can't debunk anything that I've said or proven. My whole life is online since July of two thousand and eight. You know what happened? July of two thousand and eight, I got out of prison, and I said I'm going to put my entire life online, and the motherfuckers are going to have to watch me build an empire, whether they're on my team or not. And here we are, fifteen fucking years later. And that empire's built. I laid out the framework. I recorded every damn video for 15 fucking years. He was just asking me before uh, we got on here. He said, Matt said, how many podcasts have you done? Yeah. Said, Somewhere around 3,000, right? So, and and again, all this time, the, the people that I've had come and go working for me, the assistants that I have, the ex-wives, there's no bad press about me, no one stars, no ripoff reports, no Ryan Stewart's a scam because it's all been real. So when I say that, it's not to pat myself on the back. It's to say, I've shown you the way, the hard way too. And I know overnight success, like you see all this shit now, Lamborghinis and private jets and shit. So even four years ago, it wasn't that way. Six years ago, it surely wasn't that way. And 15 years ago, when I was getting started with this shit, it for sure wasn't that way. But you can watch my story evolve into a better and better and better and better story. And who knows where we're going from here. So, yeah. That's really important that you share that. A lot of the time we see social media being, it's like a highlight reel of success and a lot of people are bullshitting, let's be real. You know it, we know it. 
we see it all the time on the back end. What are the struggles you've gone through as like just from a few different perspectives, being a father and a husband, a successful business owner, and just being Ryan? Well, you know, that's a good question. The, the number one struggle that I've in real time, I like to tell you, I got, I'm over this and then I accomplished it. But the thing that I've struggled for a long time is I'm competitive. Yeah. And it's, it's a twofold thing because of my competitiveness is, um, I'm not exactly friendly. Now I'm not a mean guy. Like them in the beginning, I'm a very nice guy, but I'm not exactly friendly. So like in, if, if you're somebody that could be a threat to my ecosystem, or whatever, I'm not going to be mean to you, but I'm not exactly friendly either. Hi, how you doing? How can I help you type yeah. of person? Right. But I'm competitive and I watch the people that I'm competing against because it's important if you were going to play, if you're a football player, it's important to watch the other team's plays to see, you know, what they might pull on you or whatever the case may be. And the downside of that is like I watch other people win often because I'm not competing against losers. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm, I'm competing against people that are way out kicking my coverage. That's the way I look at it. If I'm competing at somebody at my level, that's not a competition. That's an even playing field. I don't want that. I want a disadvantage where I can say I beat somebody with with a late start and a bunch of bullshit penalties missing my startup quarterback. You know what I mean? And so, you know, that that's a big deal for me, though. It's a struggle because, you know, like right now I'm throwing an event in a couple of months. I got to sell a few thousand tickets to it. That's no easy feat. I know a lot of Internet motherfuckers be like, oh, it's just a couple thousand. A lot of people give away tickets to an yeah. event. You, you think everybody paid to be there. A lot of people give away tickets to an event. We don't do that. We actually sell the seats because we believe in the value. We we bring in amazing people like this one that's coming up. We'll have Fat Joe performing, Twista performing. I'm in talks with Mike Rowe to come and speak. That like these are the type of people that, yeah. that we bring. Oh, that they're not cheap. They're not free. They're not. But but we have an out outstanding event that we charge people for. And you know I might see it. The last couple of years, and I'm being honest with you, Matt, last couple of years, the event space has been awesome because most people were pussies and they didn't want to throw events because of the COVID and shit, yeah. you know? And uh, and I said, fuck it. And I just started throwing them. Well, this year, everybody's seen me make money for the last three years of events and everybody and their moms throwing big events with Ed Milet, ET, a lot of the same speakers that typically I have forces me to go find new fucking people. And then the people that I'm selling tickets to go, well, I don't know who the fuck these new people you're bringing on are. And I'm be like, just trust me. And then the cold traffic's like, but we don't fucking know you. And so it's this. And then meanwhile, I see somebody, maybe one of my buddies sell out a stadium or whatever the case may be, or sell out the hotel room or whatever. And I'm like, man, I got to get back to work. I'm going to work harder. It's, it's, and it, it's, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. Cause it's a reality check that I got shit to do. You know yeah. what I mean? But at the same time, very competitive. So I'm always, not always, but oftentimes watching other people when, and then what's even crazier about that is a lot of people I'm competing against are my fucking friends. So it's not <laughs> like I can run from them. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 I'm touching like yesterday, Billy Jean and I were discussing, we did a webinar last night on AI, but during the day we were discussing a few things and, you know, we're talking about the, him, he's, he goes and rents out the Padre stadio and does all this cool shit. And I'm like, dude, that's somebody who's, you know, he's a good friend of mine, but he's also a competitor because people are literally making a decision to have to buy Billy shit or Ryan shit. So it's not like, and it's not like I can be like, oh, I hate Billy and block him on Facebook and just <laughs> go all in. It's like, fuck, oh, that's my friend. I got to figure out how we can share the market space together because yeah. neither one of us are, are, are assholes like that. But that's the biggest struggle for me. And it's that way for any entrepreneur, whether you're a Texas roofer and there's a hundred thousand other roofers in the state of Texas, or whether you're a plumber, there's a hundred thousand plumbers here, or a real estate agent, or a banker. I mean, we all have that. If you're at Bank One or Bank of America, you're watching Chase. You know, if you're at 
if you're at Remax, you're watching Keller Williams. Like you're, you, you, we're always competing. If you're number two in the market, you're fucking trying to hammer down to get number one. If you're number one, you're grasping at straws to stay there. We always have this thing like, oh, number one's just running the fucking score up. That's never the case. That's never, never the case. Number one is in a struggle just like anybody else because if you're going to be number one, the struggle is going to be always around you. So, you know, my struggle is probably the same as everybody else's, man. I'm out here fucking competing against competition, you know? And yeah, and, and a, a part of that too is, is, you know, it's not all competition's honest. You know, I, I'm competing with integrity. And I don't say that because, like, look at me, blah, blah, blah. But again, I got 13 years of doing this shit with no one-star reviews or rip-off reports. That's not fucking easy. That's not fucking easy in an internet marketing job. Okay, I got yeah. one of the few, if, if fucking any, <laughs> that has that track record. And so what happens there is I'm competing on integrity because how can I lead the way? And then, Matt, you you went in trouble before and you found me. I inspired you. You've changed your whole life. What if you found out that I was cheating and all this is fucking bullshit? It would fucking, maybe at this point you're successful enough to where you're, damn, that sucks for Ryan and you're going to keep going. But what if I had caught you four or five years ago? You'd be like, damn, the one motherfucker that yeah. I thought had it figured out don't have it either. I've definitely fucked, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm not saying you may have thought of it that way, but somebody else may have and, and others may have. If there wasn't anybody here to, to inspire them or do this, or if you found out it was all fake, it's like, well, I'm not going to fake it. But so, it's uh it's difficult because in in your industry where you deal with roofers here in America, uh maybe one roofer company's telling them, "Hey, I'll give you a free roof," and the next roofing company's like, "That's illegal as fuck, and you can't do that." So they're competing against lies with the truth, and the lie always sounds better. The lie's never the hard part. The lie's never the roof costs a hundred grand. The lie's always the roof's free. Yeah. You know what I mean? The lie's never the lie is never it's fucking hard work the lie is it's fucking easy you that's that's why you lie you lie for ease of access you lie to make things easier it never does but that's seemingly why people do it you never lie to make things harder although it has the opposite effect lying has the opposite effect of of what people expect it to have every time you know yeah that's one of the things you're you're very well known for is keeping it real with people and that can sometimes come back to bite you in terms of it's always the right thing to do, but but they can't handle it, or that they they people want to be around you for that reason. Then when you are real with them, they kind of get a little bit sooky and cry a little bit. Sometimes that's something you see, especially people that have worked with me over the years. You know, somebody come and work with me for a year or two, and then think they're entitled to more than they are. It's like yeah, but you are yeah. compensated for the job that you're doing. You know, or listen, everybody wants you to be honest with them until it hurts their feelings. But the, the yeah. truth oftentimes does hurt your feelings. Listen, my, my wife and I, we, we argue like anybody else, you know, we're a married couple. We know we're not, we are amazing. I have amazing marriage, but you know, I'm in it. So it's fucked up half the time because I'm doing dumb shit, risking our family and everything. This yeah. is what I fucking do. Right. She's got to be that. She bitches at me and, and that's, that's a loose word, but she complains to me that maybe I'm not thinking right. And it's the truth. It's it's her truth, and it's the fucking truth. And I, I have to listen to that and think, okay, I got to get fucking better at that, as opposed to her telling me everything's perfect and me not wanting to get better. Now, what she said to me may hurt my feelings, right? She might have been better off telling me I was a little dick guy or some shit sometimes, <laughs> some of the things that she says, you know? Uh, there was a couple of years ago where I lost seven figures of fucking money on a deal that went fucking bad. I'm still in a lawsuit over the shit. Like, I had to sue the people. And, uh, you know, for a while there, she's like, and, you know, something would come up and she'd go, well, here it is. It's just another decision like this fucking stupid thing that you're doing. It's like, fuck, that hurts so bad. But the truth is, I, I need it to hurt because if it didn't hurt, I wouldn't fucking change it. 
right? So yeah. that's the thing about the truth. It has to sting a little bit because like when we're kids and we get spanked, right? You mess up, your dad takes you in there and he fucking whips you with your belt. It's not because for most of us, it's not because our parents are some sort of abusive assholes. It's to lock a subconscious thought of pain into making bad decisions, right? So in real life, the truth brings pain so that we stop bringing those bad decisions. But it's oftentimes not physical pain. It's emotional pain. But so many people are pussies. And I've said that word a few times here. And they run from pain. Therefore, they run from the truth when the truth is what they say. And always is said in the Bible. It's been in a lot of political speeches. The only thing that'll set you free. Yeah. Right. So, so the very thing that people are running from is that very sting that you need because it says uh, psychologically, according to the American Psychologists Association or whatever the fuck that thing's called, that the only way a person after 18 years of age will change their habits, way of thinking, or life is if a catastrophic event in their life takes place, like a car accident, a divorce, incarceration, cancer, fucking some crazy shit like that, that completely pain, something fucking painful enough for them to decide to change their mind it, it has to be painful because if it wasn't fucking painful they continue down the same track that they are because by nature humans search to be in some sort of force of average comfort zone so they avoid pain to stay in that comfort zone when again the truth the pain they go hand in hand but they're the things that set you free they're the things that make you better now my wife can bitch at me and and for some shit that i did and i could be like well well fuck that i'm not learning my lesson and blah blah blah, blah. sleep on the couch blah blah, blah. or i can go Kush if that fucking stings why does it sting <laughs> right and yeah. and what 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 maybe that's not a hundred percent truth but there's some truth to what she said so what let me dissect that and see if that part can make me make me better because i believe especially uh partnerships but especially your marriage like that my wife you know she's probably seen my butthole more than i have you know what i'm saying and and like we we've been together that long she knows like the deepest, darkest part of me. She knows all my story. If I'm sitting here telling you how successful everything is and I go home and she knows it ain't that way, she knows everything, right? And so when they're telling, they're your messenger, especially us guys. Listen, guys, your wife, that's your messenger. That's your helper. God created woman to help us, right? That's your helper. So when she's saying something, maybe you don't want to fucking hear, but, and maybe it's from a different perspective, but there's always some truth to it. And that sting is there for you to fucking take that pain and make that change. It's that trauma that we've been created that we're talking about that. But it, it, in absence of a car wreck, cancer, blah, blah, you're getting a little dose of the truth. And if you'll accept that pain, you won't have to go through the catastrophic fucking pain to get the real change. I love that. I can relate to that 100%. Shout out to all the strong women that help Man. support us keep us accountable and kick us up the ass when we need it. This life ain't for everybody. I know a lot of entrepreneurs that have come through apex that have, you know, leveled up and then they've, they've lost their significant other because the significant other didn't want to level up with them or the significant other couldn't handle the success or the ups and downs that they were going through. And listen, I don't care if you got a hundred million dollars or a hundred dollars and you're an entrepreneur, you will have ups and downs and roller coasters and and whether you're a man or a woman, if, you, if your significant other is not 100% bought into the business, like let's say they have a main job and you're running this fucking roller coaster, it, it ain't for everybody. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand it. You know, I've been divorced before. And uh, two, I, I'm, I've been married a few times, but two of the times I've been divorced, one of them told me, you care more about business than me. And I said, if I don't have a business, there is nothing else. We don't feed the family. We don't have a house. You don't drive a car. You have to understand. I have to fucking go to work. But it, she could not grasp that, that you know, because yeah. her whole family had nine to fives their whole life. Why am I 
traveling all the time and work until fucking two in the morning and then waking up at four and doing it again. And the the other one said she just couldn't handle the roller coaster. She's like, you know, I can't, I need stability in my life. And in one minute we're fucking rich and the next minute we're fucking broke and I can't take that, you know? And yeah. over the years now, this, this is a long time ago, I've been with my current wife for nine years. So over the years now that's evolved and I've stabilized and built a company and bought a building and, and done things the right way. But fuck them first 10 years, man, that's anybody's fucking guess, <laughs> you know, like this, I don't know what I'm doing. You don't know what you're doing. You find out the financial people ain't shooting you straight. You got extra tax bills, like every, but that's how you get rich to the level that I'm at now is I all those fucking painful mistakes. I learned from every one of them and they hurt so fucking much that I don't fucking make them no more. And yeah. now I've got everything stabilized. And as long as the motherfucking country I live in doesn't collapse, then then I should be fine, you know? Yeah. Uh, but but the the beginning of entrepreneurism is the same for all of it. You ask anybody, whether it's Tony Robbins, Grant Cardone, Ed Milet, we all fucking struggle, struggle fucking city for the first, some of us, the first decade, you yeah, know? That's wild. Do you have any advice for people? Maybe they're starting out or they're they're in the game, they're, they've got a business, they're trying to make it work. To get that family dynamic right so yeah so i have a process that that you know about matt uh called the g code yeah and so i, I one time i flew back from from ed Milet's house in idaho uh on a commercial jet and sat in first class and luckily enough the person sitting right next to me was the legendary tim grover he had been at the same event oh, wow. and we happened to be catching the same plane back to dallas and I'm sorry, the same plane back to Spokane to where we'd split up and go our separate ways, right? And so, uh, anyway, I got to sit on the plane with Tim for, I don't know, two hours probably, maybe a little bit longer, and shoot the shit with him. One of the things that he said was that balance was bullshit. And he gave me a mathematical equation to this 24 hours in a day, you got to work 10, you got to sleep 8. Where the fuck are you going to, where, where's the balance? Where are you going to, where are you going to pull another 10 hours to put in for your family? It's fucking balance. Balance is bullshit because when the scale's balanced, it's zero. You want to be a fucking zero? So I like that, but, but let's just be honest. You know, he's an extremist and there, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. And, and I can be too, but I'm also an extremist with my family, Tim's older his family's probably grown up his kids are you know i still have youngsters in the house just like you matt so it matters yep. to me my wife is still fucking hot right i'm not old and i'm not i'm not saying t tim's that, that nothing yeah, compared yeah. him now i'm just saying i'm younger than him and my wife is younger than me she's still got she's in peak shape for her body shit i want to enjoy <laughs> family time yeah. you know what i'm saying while well, family time's still good and so the g-code is one of those things where it actually doesn't let you live a balanced life but it lets you live a life where you're winning in the four areas that matter every day, not once a year, not once a month, not once a week, but every fucking day, because life works like this. If I set a goal to make a million dollars in 2023, I'll wait till November and be like, oh shit, I only made 200 grand this whole year. I guess I'm going to make 800 in December, right? And then when I make 50 grand in December, like I've been making the rest of the fucking year and I don't hit my goal, I was like, oh, well, I tried, right? Yeah. However, if I set a goal, it's like, hey, I'm going to make three grand a day. FYE, which means fuck your excuses, three grand a day, no matter what. And I'm not going to go to sleep until I make three grand a day. And on days when I make more than three grand, I'm starting the next day with three grand again. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, if you go to sleep and you couldn't sell $3,000 at the end of the day, because that's what a million dollars, three times 365 roughly is a million bucks. If you couldn't sell $3,000 in a day, you'd have to go to bed knowing that you lost that day. But if you sold $3,000 a day, you go to bed every night knowing that you won. 
You see, people want to wait till the end of the game to find out if they won or not, but we can find out if we win in, at the end of every single day. So the G-Code breaks down to four areas. First of all, it's a, it's a it, G-Code stands for the code to greatness. If you want to be the greatest version of yourself, these are the four things you got to do and win every day. Number one, you got to have a grateful mindset, right? You got to, what I do is first thing in the morning, when I wake up, I write down five things that I'm grateful for. Because immediately as soon as I check my phone, everything else, there's going to be problems, drama, emails, this fucking that. It's just the, the nature of the beast out there. So I want to be, I want to make sure that I'm grateful. And, and really, if we're looking for some sort of balance, if, you, if you're a Libra and you got to have balance or whatever the case may be, then what you're looking for is the balance between being happy with what you have, grateful for what you have right now, while still in pursuit of what's next. Because if you get too grateful, you won't go get what's next. If you get too greedy, you won't be too grateful, right? So you, that's really your, your only balance you're finding in life. The second G is your genetics. You got to work out, right? Eating right, working out. Doesn't mean you have to go and be all Arnold Schwarzenegger, Ronnie Coleman kind of workout thing. You don't have to be all jacked like that. Although I, I highly recommend it. You know what I mean? I've been yeah. working for for 23 years now. I've been working out in the gym. And in 2019, I was ejected from a side-by-side, -side, broke my neck in two places. And if I hadn't been working out all those years, then I would be paralyzed right now. I didn't work out because one day I knew I was going to need it to be a shield against paralyzation. I just worked out every day because at the end of the day, did I sweat today or not? At the end of the day, did I stick to a diet or not? Look, your diet doesn't have to be keto diet or the kale diet or some shit like that. Listen, maybe you don't eat fucking 10 pieces of pizza. Maybe eat five. Maybe you order a small fucking fry instead of a large fry, right? Maybe you fucking drink diet Coke instead of fucking regular Coke and cut down your sugar intake. If you just cut out, if you go from like, we'll take the equivalent. If you go from large fry and small fry, you're cutting out about 800 calories per serving, right? If you do something like that, and that's, you're not going to miss the difference in those fries. But if you do something like that, every meal times three meals a day, that's 2,400 calories. Damn. You'd cut out 72,000 calories a month. That's a whole ass motherfucking human. Yeah. And I'm not even asking you to do anything. But just slow it down a little bit, right? So so that's the genetic mindset. So at the end of the day, did you stick to it? Did you discipline yourself? And did you go and work your body? The third thing is your grind, right? That's your business. You got to go out. We always say we're on a grind. We got to grind it out. Like you got to go in there. You got to handle your business. You set your financial goal and you make sure you hit it. You know, here in our business, we have KPIs. How many calls? How many contacts? How many closes? That's what we're looking for every day on the sales team. On the operations team, we have other KPIs and shit. And that's the thing. Hey, we're tracking that. Did we hit that goal? And the last thing is, and I think it's the most important part, is the group, uh, which is the group of people that yeah. you spend your time with. So every day, if I wake up, I got five things I'm grateful for. I hit the gym. I go to work. And I and I hit my goals at work. And then I spend time. And like I might spend 10 hours at work and 10 minutes with somebody at my house, but I'm investing time with my wife. I might spend you know an hour at home around the dinner table talking to my kids and watching the show or whatever the hell may be versus nine or 10 hours at work, but I still invested some time into them and made sure. So every day I'm making sure that I invest into somebody, right? Like today it might be you, Matt, you know what I mean? You'll be done yeah. on my list because we spent some time here, but every day I'm making sure that I'm taking care of the group of people that I want to spend time with and do life with. So if you were to take all four of those every day, grateful mindset, your genetics, your grind, the group people you spend your time with, and you were to give one point for each one of those, like, so I write down five things I'm grateful for, I get a point. I go to the gym, stick to my tie, I get a point. I, I, hit, I, I hit my goal at work, I get a point. 
I, I put time in with somebody, I get a four, you could get four points a day would be the maximum that you could get. So we track this in an app that I created called the G code app, which I'll give you for free in a minute. And to tell you how serious I am about this, I have 4,500 points. Okay. 4,579. I've been doing this for 1,356 uninterrupted days. And I can tell you, I look better, feel better, make more money, have a better life, have a better, everything about everything from 1,356 days ago is better 1% a day. So I'm at least 1,356% better today than I was when I started this process. You can do this. There's no upsells. There's no gimmicks or any yeah. fucking shit like that. You can go to uh, gcodechallenge.com, gcodechallenge.com, and you sign up. It's free. We're about to give it a major... Uh, upgrade too so it's about to get easier and cooler uh but man how many points do you have matt you use this don't you we do yeah i've been doing this for years and years now i don't know exact points but that's that's how i've had success and yeah listen to what you said to do and we do it before i use this app we i just did it on evernote i just had like daily yeah. wins and i kept a, a, a running i didn't score i just kept a running evernote but you know we've got a diary just every day boom boom yeah. boom boom yeah we got, I don't know, 10,000 or so people that use this. So it's it's pretty amazing that this free tool is helping people. And there's, there's, I think I'm in fifth place. I'm not even in first place for points, uh, which is crazy. There's, you know, there's four other people. When I broke my neck in 2019, I, I couldn't work out. So I wasn't going to take the point for some shit that I couldn't do for a hundred days, you know? Yeah. So, Just on, you mentioned so many nuggets there, mate. The, um, I want to focus on group a little bit. You've you've successfully built a group of millionaires, the billionaires, and all around just people that are just smart as fuck. What's the sentiment within within these people that are playing at another level about what could happen in twenty twenty three and how are like you, people like yourself and and those guys, how are they approaching this year? Which could be who knows what's going to happen. Well, so I have a billionaire friend, a real billionaire, cash billionaire friend, and. When you're at that level and you have a, a you know a couple hundred million at Chase and a couple hundred million at Bank of America and a couple hundred million at Wells Fargo, you get privy to information. Guys like you and I that don't have yeah. that kind of cash, uh, we get you get privy to that information. He shares it with me, and the bankers are all calling for a massive collapse the last quarter of the year, real estate wise. Here and this is America. I don't know about the the, the economy. Uh, apartments are down. Because, you know, typically if you could buy an apartment complex with an 8% cap rate for the last 10 years, that's been pretty goddamn good, right? Yeah. Now the fucking interest rate's 8.75. So an 8% cap rate, you're never getting your money back, you know? Yeah. And, and you, you know, get, you have to take in anyway, you guys get the point. There's uh, commercial buildings, people after COVID, they're not going back to work the same way that they were. You hear all these CEOs like, come back to work, blah, blah, blah. And then motherfuckers don't go anyway, you know? And so- uh, so that's a problem. So we'll see commercial real estate come down. We'll see residential real estate come down. Cause listen, a year ago here in America, you could go buy a million dollar house. Like I live in a house where I took a million dollar mortgage out. It's worth more than a million bucks. But I took a million dollar mortgage out and my payment is like $4,200 a month. I believe it might even, it might not even be that much. It's fucking cheap. Uh, it's 4,100 a month. I believe Yeah, for a million dollar loan. Right. Right now. If you were to go get in, in my house, let's say it's worth $2 million, okay? So right now, if I was to go buy my same house at the current interest rate at the price that it is, okay, 
that I'm looking at probably $12 million or $12,000 a month. So Damn. three times in payment that I have right now for the same house. And so we're, we're, we're going to have to see those come down or see banks, they, their whole way that they make money. I come from the financial industry. If you remember the whole way they make money is they, they lend based on their deposits. Right. And then whatever they can't cover, they borrow from the fed. We used to be able to borrow it at 0%. So if you're upside down for the day, you borrow from the, the FMOC for the night at 0%. It's no fucking big deal. Right. But now you're borrowing it at 6.75%. My friend, you know how hard it is to make 7% margin on your money, especially overnight, right? That's not fucking, that's like, that's not yeah. easy at all. And uh, I mean, if you put money up into like somebody like Cardone's uh, real estate fund, they might pay you 8% over the whole fucking year, <laughs> you know, yeah. like let alone you trying to come up with it in, in, in the night and like overnight. So the banks are going to be in a position where they're going to have to loan money because that's how they operate, right? They're going to have to keep loaning the money. So housing prices are going to have to come down because of the way in America, the, the lending guidelines, you have to be within certain debt to income ratios and things of that nature. So there's lots of guidelines that go into the underwriting process, but because of all that, prices are going to either have to drop or the alternative, which is really scary, is that institutional money like BlackRock, Blackstone, Goldman Sachs, these type of guys start buying up all the residential and commercial shit. Uh, which at one point could be too big and the, and the government could monopolize it. And I know that sounds far-fetched, but this is America in 2023 and these motherfuckers are out of control over here. So there's no telling what the fuck could happen, you know? But but the sentiment across all the bankers, my connections and my billionaire friends, is that the, the things are going to get weird the last quarter of the year. Yeah. <clears throat> but here's the, for the Americans that listen to this, some the best news that I can tell you though is next year's an election year. Right. And and we still don't know who's running. Biden hasn't announced if he's running again. And he may not. It's old Spock. He's struggling with stairs, you know, and Trump, you know, he might be under indictment and that's going to make things really weird. And DeSantis and Trump could go back and forth and make things really weird for the Republican Party. And and we may get finally somebody good with the Democrat Party, but I think they're so far gone that they don't want somebody in the middle in yeah. there anymore. They're way far, far out of control at this point. And, and so I say that because in my 43 years here in America, election years are always good because, uh, you know, they can't, the guy's running for reelection. He can't say the only time election year has been bad economically was when Bush left office, but he'd been in there for eight fucking years and he did, wasn't running for reelection. So he didn't give a shit. Obama and Romney could clean that thing up. Right. Yeah. And so now we're looking at you know, if Joe's not going to run for re-election, Kamala's got to figure out how to stay in there in power. She's not just going to let it fly by, right? And if they, they cheat once, they might as well cheat again with her. I don't know how the hell that shit works. But on the on the second end is they got to make it better for us. Like gas prices have come down here and certain things have come down because they want you to say, oh, look what I've done for you. Re-elect yeah. me, right? So, you know, I think this year could be rough. The end of the year could be we could see a drop and then that drop actually fuel growth because prices are lower leading up to the election. And then who the fuck knows after that? So, but that's not just opinion. You know, my guess is as good as Mrs. Cleo's on a late night fucking tarot card reading. I don't know. <laughs> I guess one thing that will never change, no matter what the climate is, is you got to do the work. You know, the most money is made in a recession because yeah. there's two types of people. There's the type of person that uses it as an excuse not to produce and the type of person that uses it as an excuse to outproduce everybody else. You see, the work is always there to be done. And there's, there's in, in being a, a rancher, you know, person that's, that's, that owns land, there's, there's seed time and harvest time. 
And right now is a year of seed. And and what I mean by that, you're planting your seed. So in my ranch, I just tore up 80 acres worth of land. And we're going to replant different crops in there, right? So they're out there in the next week. They're reseeding it with wild grasses so we can run our cattle and shit over it. But they're out there reseeding it. That seed won't grow this year. That yeah. seed will grow next year. So that seed that I spent tens of thousands of dollars and in, in maybe tens of, of hundreds of hours that we'll actually spend out there working and planting and tending to and making sure that this stuff's taken care of, we won't even see a result until next year. You see, that's the thing. Everything, there's a natural supernatural correlation. Let me talk to you guys for a minute here as we get close to the end of this. But, so you see, everybody wants shit right now. If we were in a video game and we were trying to define the character that we wanted to be in that video game, one of those things we need patience, right? So, so with patience, what do you, if, if that's what you're trying to build up in a video game, you probably have to wait a long time in order to get good at the patience level of that, right? And so God, when he created the earth and we learned to plant seeds to feed ourselves, he taught us patience because we plant today and we reap in a season of next year, right? And, and but, but what we plant today reaps next year, then it reaps the year after that, then it reaps the year after that, then it reaps again the year after that. And so what happens is in a recession, recession is a signal, is an economic signal of seed time, okay? It's the time to keep investing, keep planning, and be fucking patient. And what happens is, see, a lot of people right now, they look at recession as a time to go put their seed in the silo and just let it sit there. But seeds sitting in the silo ain't growing. It ain't turning into grass. It ain't turning into vegetables. It ain't turning into fruits. It's not growing. It's not producing, not doing anything. And so they think in a recession, it's time to store it up. No, in a recession, it's time to plant. Because guess what? The shit that you stored up, it ain't coming up next year because you didn't plant it. Me, I'm out here making the investment plant it next year when everybody else is looking for food because they didn't plant their seeds. I'm going to have food at premium pricing that I could sell to everybody. And so I say that because in, in these recessions, recession is an economic signal that it is seed time. And now I'm not telling you to go out, buy a whole bunch of shit because, because again, God taught us by giving us the land and letting us grow food from it. He taught us patience. So look at it this way, the hard work, not necessarily the money, but the hard work that you're putting in day in and day out right now is the same as if you were growing seed on a farm. You're planting it, digging a hole, tending to it, watering it, keeping the freaking hogs out of there. All the shit that you've got to do to make sure that that seed's protected, all that hard work is now translated into the workplace. If you think about it, it's on the same wavelength of you're doing that work every day, the equivalent of the keyboard versus maybe running a hoe or a rake. But you're on the keyboard running this shit every day while everybody else is scared and using it as a break. What happens is next year, your fruit grows better than everybody else. And you get to choose if you want to fucking share it with somebody or not. We're, ne we're nearly at the end of the uh, of the podcast, my good man. I want to throw a few words at you and just let me know whatever comes first thing in, pops into your head. Kangaroo. Kangaroos are people who take all your free shit and put it in their pouch. Like your ebooks and your social <laughs> media posts. But their arms are too short to reach in their back pockets where their wallet is and actually buy anything. So next time you're at work and you're selling something and motherfuckers are tired, kickers, window shoppers, now they're called kangaroos. That's what a kangaroo is. Love you that. know what? And sometimes some kangaroos, y'all got some big buff red kangaroos in, in, in Oz down there, man. So sometimes you're going to have to fight with these motherfuckers over their wallets, you know? <laughs> I love that. I remember when that guy from Texas punched that kangaroo that was trying to fuck with his dog. I yeah. bet I got that, you know, because, you know, our whole community goes uses the term kangaroo. 
I bet I got that video 10,000 times in, a, in the first week. And I'm bad. It, it, I was really proud that guy was from Texas, too. I was like, all right, that's family. That's Let's a Texan. That. <laughs> yeah. Apex. Uh, Apex represent what winning looks like at all times. Love that. Uh, build your machine. I was actually listening to somebody who was very, very, very smart, like an Elon Musk type person yesterday. Oh, Bernard Arnault. Uh, who is the richest man alive right now. He owns Louis Vuitton, uh, LVMH. He's the, the president, CEO of LVMH, and um, which is some of the biggest brands on the planet fashion-wise. Cognac and Balenciaga and fucking all, all the expensive shit, right? Chanel. He was talking about because of, you know, they built a machine that has been able to acquire the biggest fashion brands, which has made them the biggest fashion brand. And, and we have a program inside of Apex, the foundation of it's called Build Your Machine. And you don't have to have LVMH money in order to build your machine. These, you know, those guys back when they were building that company, they had worldwide distribution, manufacturing, all the stuff that they have to have. These days, you can compete against them with the Shopify site. You got a guy like Philip Pline, for example. Philip Pline is a billionaire and he built Pline.com. And they sell six hundred dollar t shirts and you know three thousand dollar pair of shoes and ten thousand dollar fucking pants and shit like that. And this guy built the whole thing basically on a Shopify fucking website and makes trillions of fucking dollars, fucking Swiss francs and shit like that. He's one of the richest dudes in Switzerland or Sweden or wherever the fuck he lives over there, and built a like a three hundred million dollar house in Beverly Hills, the big Bel Air, biggest house in all of fucking Bel Air, which is a big dick statement. You know what I mean? And and he did that. Now he's got all this manufacturing, everything else, but he did that starting with a Shopify fucking thing in his apartment, you know? And so these days we, people use the excuse, oh, I don't know business. Neither did me and Matt. They say, oh, I don't know how to use the internet. Neither did Matt and I, you know, oh, I, I don't, I don't have connections. Neither do fucking we, man, but you can build a machine. You can go and put the pieces together. This podcast is fucking free. YouTube is fucking free and Facebook free emailing motherfuckers free, right? There's no excuse for somebody not to build a machine that drives them where they want to go in life. Cause that's what builds your machine really means. You're, you're building something that drives you where you want to go in life. So before we finish, Mr. Ryan Stuman, where can people find you? Social media is at hardcore closer and on, on Instagram and Twitter. I think Twitter, I'm at Ryan Stuman. I don't really go on there. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, I got a blue check everywhere that it's really mean. You know, that's pretty easy to do these days. So I, I got a blue check on there. And uh, so you go to Facebook, type in Ryan Stuman, Instagram, type in Ryan Stuman, anywhere that there's a blue check, those profiles have been verified that it's actually me. So follow me on Instagram and Facebook, man. I post once a day and I drop wisdom. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm just, you know, you might see a picture of a car or some shit like that, but read the caption. That's where the real gold's at. Love that. Ryan, you've been fantastic, mate. We are very appreciative to have you on the I Drink From Skulls podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode, guys. That's a wrap.